Yeah, my name's Cody. If you have your Bibles, uh, I'll be reading from Matthew 2. You can pull out your phone or it will be, oh, it'll be on the screen as well. This is Matthew 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one who is, who is born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it arose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country on another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. When Herod realized what he, what he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was in reigning in Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So it was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Good evening. Good to see you. My name is Daniel. I am one of the pastoral interns here at the church. I work on staff with the young adults. And uh, we're going to be continuing in our series on Jesus. And we're really excited about it. Tonight we are talking about, uh, this is going to be the end of part one, essentially, which is leading up to Christmas, which is leading up to Jesus' birth. Um, and I thought tonight, instead of just talking about the, the nativity story, I thought we'd explore a passage, actually, that is a little... Um, Often not a lot of time is spent on it, and often it's, it's misconstrued. Uh, we're going to be talking about the wise men and King Herod and, and that whole story that you just heard read. Uh, but before we do, I have one announcement that I want to make to you. And uh, it's kind of an interesting thing that we're going to be trying to do next year. So how many people here have a cell phone? Okay, how many people here don't have a cell phone? It's very rare. So Andy Steiger, you might know him. He is uh, a pastor, thinker, author. Um, what else? Scholar, father. Um, he was throwing around statistics today, and he said 
Now, 87% of people, the first thing they do when they wake up is they check their phone. And uh, I was like, not me. And actually, yeah, totally me. That was the first thing I did this morning was check my phone. And uh, so 87% of us, maybe 100% of us do it. Uh, and so one of the things we want to actually be doing next year is what Andy has named Text of Scripture. Now, the premise... He loves this, by the way. Okay, so we were sitting in a meeting dis- discussing this, and he said, I'm going to get the domain. The domain's there. And so he ran out, bought the domain name. What we're going to do is we're going to try something uh, kind of interesting. What we want to be doing as a community is when you wake up in the morning, you can offer to, to sign up to have a text of Scripture sent to your phone so that the first thing that you see when you wake up is a text of Scripture. You get it? The play on words there? So that is something that we're going to be doing. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, and hopefully encouraging. And the, the text that we'll be sending out will be uh, like having to do with the text that we're going to be talking about at NYA or stuff throughout the week, maybe with the prayer night coming up. So if that's something that you're interested in, we have a sign-up sheet at the back, and you can go there. You can uh, write down your number. You don't have to write down your name. We don't really care. We just want to send you some text messages, <laughs> and, uh, and you'll get those. And uh, you can be a part of that journey for us. And if you're uh, super weird about giving out your number like that, don't worry. This isn't like uh, we're going to start sending you spam stuff. Uh, but it's just me for text of scripture. So if you're interested in that, head on to the back there and you can sign up. And we'll be announcing this and discussing this further on. I want to play a video clip and then I will begin. Oh, oh. We started again. <laughs> I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. All right, I'm finished. Let's pray. (laughs) Every Christmas when I see that video and I watch the Charlie Brown special, I'm reminded about the, uh, how how precious of a clip that is, but also the the miraculous story that we see in the scriptures about the birth of Christ. And uh, every year, I mean, if you think about, uh, it's only played once a year. 
And so all year you're longing, if you watch it at Christmas, then you wait until about February. You're like, man, I missed the Christmas special, but it's, it's kind of inappropriate to be watching it in February. And, uh, and so we, again, we long for Christmas time to come so we can start listening to Christmas music. And I know there's a few people here who've been listening to Christmas music since July, okay? But um, you're welcome here. And this is, a, this is a place where, you know, we can bring our problems. And... Uh, <laughs> But Christmas time is, is a time of longing. I remember as a kid, uh, around Christmas time every year, 2001, 2002, 2003, there was a trilogy of movies that came out called Lord of the Rings. And uh, every year, it just seems that my family and I, we end up watching Lord of the Rings. Uh, how many people were here during the Lord of the Rings marathon um, that we did? It was during my internship. Uh, I'll tell you this, never again. Well, I, well, I do the marathon. Seriously, you get to the end and you're like, Frodo, please destroy the ring. Okay? <laughs> Just, it's, the, the, the room smelled, they, West Court smelled like an armpit. Okay? <laughs> and I don't know if people showered. Maybe people did and it didn't help. There was a disaster in there. And I was longing for the movie to end, okay? But uh, around when I was younger, Christmas time, when you're, when you're younger, what, Christmas is all about gifts. And so as a kid, I was collecting these Lord of the Rings figurines that you could buy. And I remember one year, and I've never told my mom this, but I was kind of a naughty kid. I was a sinner. And I would go to some of the presents and pick at the paper. Have you ever done that? And I could tell by the shape of the box that this was one of those Lord of the Rings figures. And so I remember picking at the box and seeing the top of Gandalf the White's head inside. And I was thinking, he's so rare. How did I get this Gandalf the White? And I remember having to like pretend that I didn't know what I was going to get and act all surprised. And I remember waking up that morning, going to the present, and actually the, the, the paper had been fixed. So I don't know if my mom saw that I had picked it and changed it. I haven't told a soul since. Uh, but I thought I'd be vulnerable with you tonight in sharing that. Now, so Christmas time, maybe you have lots of memories like that uh, of longing, and uh, these are good memories. And for the people that we see in the scriptures, there have been years and years and years of longing for the king. And just as you, you know, you wait for the third Lord of the Rings movie, it's Return of the King. The people of Israel have been waiting for the return of their king for the Messiah. And if you're with us two weeks ago, we looked at uh, the plan that God had, and he spoke on that, that, that there was a line of kings that happened. It first began with Saul. Israel said, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. So God says, I'll grant you that. Gives him a king. Gives him Saul. Then David. And then Solomon. And what you have is you have a history of kings not going well. And so there's this longing for a king. So we have the Christmas story as Linus just told us. The king has come. And now we're going to look at a story about the wise men. And uh, we're going to look at it under two headings. I'm going to tell the story. And then what I'm going to do is I have just two thoughts, two headings that I want to base the talk out of. The first one is Christ's kingdom is an invitation. And Christ's kingdom is a threat. All right? Christ's kingdom is an invitation. And Christ's kingdom is a threat. So as Linus mentioned, we have the story of Jesus being born. Maybe you've, if you've um, 
even if you haven't grown up in the church, you've probably heard of the story, right? The miraculous pregnancy, angel comes to Mary, you're gonna have a child, and she obeys. And then Joseph has a dream, uh, who, and he said, yeah, we're gonna have this, this child, and, and they have to go be a part of the census, and so they have to leave. She ends up giving birth in, a, in what's called the, in, in, in the upper room, or the lower room, which is the manger right inside the, the barn, and the famous scene of them placing Jesus inside uh, the manger. And so that happens. And who shows up? The shepherds come, right? They'd seen the angel and the angel told them where to go. And you have this really humble moment where the king of the universe has come and he's now lying in this manger and he's surrounded by animals and stinky shepherds and his mom and dad who are very young and scared and don't know what to do. And so that's the Christmas story, humble beginnings. But it gets really interesting in Matthew chapter two and what Matthew is trying to communicate, I think, is that the baby lying in this little manger of humble beginnings, he's a high and lifted up king. And that's what it's explored in this passage. So Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it reads, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star, star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Okay, so quick character study. We should just take a moment, figure out who these people are. King Herod is the reigning king of Judea at this time. So God, uh, the, the people of Israel wanted a king. There has been king after king after king. Now we're left with Herod. And for all the bad things that you ha- hear about Herod, the beginning of his kingship actually went pretty well. The first 25 years of his life as king went really well. He rebuilt this grand temple. He brought back jobs to the working class. And so the people of Judea thought, King Herod's awesome. He's a great king. But as time went on, some scholars think that there might have been something going on in his mind uh, that he started to to degenerate in his mind. And he became enormously paranoid. And he began to kill people. And you begin to see that his reign of, of, of really a glorious reign begins to turn into a reign of tyranny. And so the people of Judea fear King Herod. So he's the guy in power here. So that's one character that you see here, King Herod. The other character that you see is the wise men. Now, who knows the, uh, the terrible Christmas carol? We three kings of Orient are. And uh, that story is actually, that, or I mean, that song is kind of incorrect. It's we three kings of Orient aren't. And so let me just uh, display some of those, dispel some of those myths. The the Orient, what they mean is actually they're not from what we'd say like Oriental, like they're not from as far east as China or Japan. These guys are Eastern. So they're not as far east, but they are from the east. And a lot of scholars uh, tend to think that they might have been from the area of Babylon. So not within the area of Judea, but from Babylon, which is still a really large distance. Also, we don't know if there's three of them. We're just told the wise men. But as you see, there was three gifts that were given. And so that's why often three is attributed to them. The third thing is uh, they're not kings. What they are is they are called what is a seer. So in pagan worship and pagan understanding back in the ancient world, and probably in some places today, um, in, in, the, in other places in the world, people would look to the stars and understand those as they would display cosmic events that were about to happen on earth. So you have a group of wise men 
whose job is to sit with their kings in their courts, and they come to them as advice. They're the advisors. Okay, what do you see in the stars right now? Is something miraculous going to happen in my life or not? And so they would uh, come, and based on their knowledge of the stars, they would, uh, they would say, yeah, this is going to happen, or maybe there's going to be a famine. Well, these wise men, they see something in the star. They see a, a group of stars, and they say, we need to follow that. So they arrive at King Herod's doorstep. They're at King Herod's doorstep, and they walk in. And as you read here, it says, conversation ensues. It says, when King Herod heard, or sorry, they say, where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him, and all Jerusalem would be his advisors, they were disturbed. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said, in Bethlehem in Judea, they, re they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But to you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd to my people. And so, how would these wise men know about this prophecy? This is a prophecy that you actually see in the Torah, in, in the book of Numbers, the first five books of the Bible that Moses has written. It reads this, I see him, but now I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the people of Sheph. And what a lot of scholars actually believe and think is that these these. Truly, these wise men truly were from Babylon because if you remember further back in the scriptures that the people of Israel were under Babylon captivity for a long time. And so if these guys are wise men, they probably would have been interacting with other literature. And so they would look at other prophecies of other religions. And so they see this star go up and they say, whoa, something's happening here. So that's important to understand. So they've come on this long journey at a high expense to them. It probably was a massive caravan of people and uh, it would have cost them a lot of money, and it would have been really dangerous. You didn't have police officers back in the day. You had people with swords who would run at you and attack you, and you had to be able to protect yourself. So these guys come on this long journey. Now, I wonder if you picked up, it says that King Herod was disturbed. Now, why would King Herod be disturbed at this? His, his response is, you know, where's where this king of the Jews, where he's been born? And if you're Herod, you're thinking born the king. I'm the king of the Jews. So aren't you coming to talk to me? No, 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 no. There's, there's someone being born as a prophecy that says there's a king coming. Yeah, yeah, you're looking at him. Mm, no, you're not. And so there's this kind of quarrel here. Now, this is kind of similar to when people come to Norfew and they, uh, they say, hey, can I speak to someone from young adults? And they say, sure, yeah, we'll come speak to Daniel. And Andy's left there. No one wants to talk to Andy. And he, you know, his ego's hurt a bit. What do I got to do? I got to write a book? I got to write another book? What if I get a PhD? Will people uh, come and talk to me then? So King Herod's got an ego, all right? Don't read into that, Andy. Don't read it. But King Herod's got a little bit of an ego. And so when wise men from a far off land come, come to visit, you expect, what have you brought me, right? I'm King Herod. Have you seen the temple that I built? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. No, no, where's this other king that is born? So this, is, this disturbs Herod. And so this is an interesting thing that you see. And, and his wise men, right, Herod's wise men are saying, well, these guys, I don't know, tell them to go look for 
this child. And so Herod does that. Go find the child and then uh, bring him to me so that I may worship him. And so the wise men are like, okay, whatever. Can you just point us? Now, Bethlehem from, Judith, from Jerusalem, where these guys are, um, is actually like nine kilometers. It's not very far. So it's a tiny little town that was just tucked into the hills. So it's kind of like walking from downtown Abbotsford to, um, like walking from Old Hand to Castle Fun Park, for reference. Right? Or maybe the castle is Jerusalem and they walk to Old Hand, the promised land. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> they, they walk to him. And they find baby Jesus wrapped in uh, swaddling cloth uh, living with uh, Mary and Joseph. And they come and they worship him and they bring him gifts. And so uh, what they bring is, you might know the story, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so you can imagine Mary and Joseph in complete dismay and shocked as these, all this huge caravan of people come in. And these kings come and say, hi, uh, we saw the star and we brought some presents for this kid. Uh, can we come in? And they probably were in complete shock and at dismay because, yeah, this is, we're told that we're going to be born this child. I didn't think this was like a, like a king. You guys are from another country, right? And you're coming to worship. Okay, fine. What do you have for us? Right? What presents do you got? Now, I remember when I was actually in England at one point studying. I did a semester abroad. It was 2015. And I went to go visit the Tower of London, which is like this kind of castle where so a bunch of people had their heads cut off. That's all I remember from the tour. But they walked around, and the guy standing outside, <laughs> he came and he said, Good morning, everybody. It is great to have you here. And uh, you may be noticing that I'm wearing my red garb today. And I thought, well, don't you always wear the red? I don't wear the red garb. The reason I'm wearing the red garb and not my navy blue garb is today there was a baby princess born. And it was, of course, the day that baby Charlotte was born, uh, Will and Kate their second child. So there's a little princess born. So everyone's dressed up and there's this magnificent event. People are coming at, to London to see all this stuff. And so the wise men bring these gifts. There's, there's this huge caravan of people. Everyone's excited. They're excited because they come this long journey and they bring them three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now gold, the significance of it is gold is a, a gift fit for a king. Wealth. You now have money. You have the money of a king. We don't know how much gold it is, it's probably a lot. You're coming to visit a king. You're going to give him your best. So they bring this sign of wealth, the wealth of the king to them. Another one of the gifts is they bring frankincense, which was, was, it, was a, an incense that was used in the temple that the high priests used, signifying that this is someone holy, this is someone set apart, someone very special. And they also bring myrrh, which is a death burial spice which every king should be thinking about your death. And you want to have this, when you die, you obviously don't want, people are going to come view the body and be buried. You want to have spices. And that was a really fancy spice to be buried with. And uh, of course, they wouldn't have known that Jesus would die this, this early death. We know that from the scriptures now, but they were bringing this, this gift, this amazing gift to him. And so there's this giving of the gifts, which I think the tradition carries on. And now we give gifts at Christmas time. And that's actually what I was told as a kid. My parents, um, when they told me that Santa wasn't real, um, when I was 15, they, uh, what they told me before was, uh, they, they would say, you know, Santa Claus uh, is a real person who, who loves Jesus. 
He really does. And Santa Claus has a lot of wealth and, and, a, lot, and a lot of kind of magic power. And he, and he loved Jesus so much. And he was so moved by the wise men bringing gifts that, Jesus, uh, that, that Santa brings gifts to all the children. And, uh, and so that's why we still get gifts. And so I remember getting gifts from Santa Claus and then being absolutely terrified when Santa was at my house. Turns out it was my grandpa, who was very large. And, uh, but I didn't know. He had a beard. So we... Uh, we Santa Claus brings gifts. There's these gifts brought. So the story continues. Verse 7, Then Herod called the Magi secretly. Right, so this is, he's talking through Bethlehem. Go to Bethlehem. They bring the gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And verse 13, verse 12, sorry. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they return to the country by another route. What you see here is you see the wise men Get a dream from God after they visited King Jesus. And they're told, don't go back that way. Don't go see Herod in a dream. And so they obey that. In verse 13, you say, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the, the prophet out of Egypt, I call my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, I think about a game of risk, right? Before you smash the board and someone outwits you, Herod's outwitted because he realizes a lot of time's gone by and uh, my friends, the Magi, haven't come back. So he's outwitted. He was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted. And in verse 19, Herod dies. And what we see is Mary and Joseph move back. They're able to come back. They have a dream from the Lord. They come back. And they settle in Nazareth, in Nazareth which um, also fulfills the prophecy that he would be called a Nazarene. Now, I find it interesting that th this is just a little bit of a history piece here, but a lot of people, this is a common thing for people to go back uh, at, to Egypt during times of utter chaos. They would, a lot of times, Egypt would see a, an influx of refugees and a lot of people coming in, especially when there was famines. And uh, Andy had shown this to me. He's used this in other settings, but I, th I find this fascinating. There's a quote from an ancient Egyptian text that reads this. It says... Or do I have it on mine? Here we go, I have it. No, I don't. Do we have the Egypt quote there? <laughs> there's, a, there's actual writing of, some, of them saying, we're going to build a wall to keep these people out and we're going to have a prosperous land again. And you can just imagine, make Egypt great again and make Babylon and make Judea pay for it, build a wall. Well, that died, didn't it? All right, let's continue. <laughs> so the point of this, though, is you see this miraculous story, but now the king has come back, and he's in, Naz and he's in Nazareth, all right? And he is growing up. So here's the two things. That's the story, um, and, and I want to just point out two things that you see here. The first one, the first point is this. Uh, Christ's kingdom is an invitation and so what Christmas is telling us is that the true king has entered the world. 
And he's now here among us. And so you see these wise men come. What we also see, though, is this idea that, that God is up to more and his ways of bringing people to himself are a lot different than the ways we think that he does. And I think it's really significant the fact that these wise men from another country, seers who look to the stars, they, they look there and they see, hey, there's going to be a, something significific happening, and so they come. They, they come. There's this, this cosmic event that's happening, and they come to visit this. And what happens is you see God use a pagan way of living, a pagan way of worship, to actually bring people to him to come and worship the true king. And this is the first time we actually see Gentiles who, if you read the scriptures, you know that there's going to be Jews and Gentiles who are now, it's now opened up to salvations for all people. It's the first time that you see this in the scriptures with these wise men. I just think it's a super interesting point. You hear stories of stuff like this happening in the world today. Um, I was talking with somebody recently, and they were sharing about what was happening in the Middle East. And if you remember, a few years ago, it was really big with ISIS and people fleeing in the boats, and they would come across the water. Uh, people from a Muslim background would come across the water, and they arrive on the shores where they'd be greeted by Christians, they'd be greeted by humanitarian relief to try and help these people, help these refugees. And as they came across the water, one of the first things often, they said their stories shared, often people would come across the water and they would step, step out and they'd say, hi, can we help you? And they would, they would look at them and say, who is the man in white walking on the water with us? Who is the man in white? To which the Christians on, on, on the shore could say, oh man, that, that's Jesus. And so you see this, this terrible thing happening in the Middle East and God using it to draw people to himself. This still happens today. And so God is drawing people to himself in ways that we don't know. And so the question is, if this is what's happening at Christmas, we understand that God is, is coming near and he might be drawing people to himself, people you don't even know, we ought to tell people about that. We ought to evangelize about that. And I don't mean that we should be saying, hey, uh, you have to follow these 10 steps and then you become a Christian and going to them and, and just hitting them with the Bible, but talking to people about the hope you have. Saying, I, I'm a Christian and Christmas is a really special time for me. Why is it special to me? Well, I believe that Jesus is a real person. I believe that this is a real thing. And it transformed my life when I, when I began to follow him and it can transform your lives. Question, when's the last time you have evangelized with somebody. As God has been moving in the background, bringing people to himself, NYA, when's the last time that you actually spoke the gospel to someone at work, on your sports team, at university? Or is he just drawing people and we just back out as cowards? Evangelism is important. We ought to be doing this. This is, this is great news. The hope of the world has come. We need to tell people about it. And Christmas is a great time to do it, right? I love this quote. One writer says, The wonder of Christmas, then, is that a pagan astrologer, magician types, are transformed to worship the incarnate divine Son through reading and responding to the ancient words 
of a pagan seer. Indeed, this is good news for lost sinners and all kinds throughout the world. Christmas is an invitation to Christ's kingdom. That's the first thing I wanted to point out. The second one is this. Christ's kingdom is a threat. Now, did you catch twice in the text, Herod is disturbed, and Herod is frustrated. Why is Herod disturbed, and why is Herod frustrated? Well, as I kind of mentioned before, these guys don't come to to worship Herod. The wise men don't come to worship Herod. They're saying, no, there's a true king that I'm coming to worship. And Herod is asking himself, who is this king of the Jews? I'm the king of the Jews. And so what we see is at Christmas time, Herod's kingdom is under threat. There's a threat to his kingdom. And if we're honest, I think each and every one of us in this room, we have a little bit of Herod in us. We like to think we're the king. We like to be in control. There's a famous poem by William Ernest Henley. Maybe you've seen the movie Invictus with the rugby in South Africa. It reads this. The poem says, Out of the night that covers me, black is the pit from pole to pole. I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud under the bludgeonings of chance. My head is bloody but not unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate How charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And everyone goes, yeah! I am the captain of my soul. Who is this king of the Jews? I'm the king. Atheist philosopher Thomas Nagel writes this. I'm talking about the fear of religion itself. He writes, I'm speaking from experience, being strongly subject to this fear myself. I want atheism to be true. And I'm made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are righteous believers. Isn't just that I don't believe in God, and naturally, I hope that my belief is right. I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. My guess is that the cosmic authority problem is not rare. Who is this Jesus, this king of the Jews? I'm the king of the Jews. I heard one pastor tell it like this. Inside every one of us is this little box that's right here. He calls that our personal sovereignty. And he said, I've gone and and sat with the people in the lowest of lows, people who go to prison. And they never let people get into this little box of personal sovereignty. They never let anybody in. This is them. I choose my way. I am the captain of my soul. Whatever happens to me happens. But it's been all because of me. I've built my empire. I've accrued all this wealth. And no one comes inside. Nobody. And people take that to the grave. They never let... Anybody inside? Who is this king of the Jews? I'm the king. So the question is, how's that going for you? 
How's your kingdom? Are you, do you feel like you're in control? Do you feel like you have complete command over everything, all the things in your life? How's your pornography addiction going? You're the captain of your fate, right? When, when cancer comes into your life and you see that affecting your family members, right? You have control of that too? You have control of how the stock markets go and how your money might go? The fact that you might be able to buy a house one day? You're, you're in control of that, aren't you? How about all the choices that you've been making, all the times that you face rejection, all the times that people have hurt you, harmed you, you're in control of that? How's that going? At the end of the day, when we lie our heads down on the pillow, we think about our lives, I think about my life, and when I try and play king, it's a spiral, I'm spiraling out of control. I can't live up to that standard. I can't make all these things happen. I'm, I'm, I'm helpless at what's happening in my life. We are pretty lousy, lousy kings. We're pretty lousy queens. We make all these promises and we don't fulfill them. We suck. We, like the people in the, in the Bible, we long for things to be made right. We need a king. We long for that king. And Christmas is about that king coming to earth for you. I think this applies to, to all the people in here. If you're a Christian, if you're not yet a Christian, this idea of us pretending that we are king, that we're pretending that we're queen. And why do we do this? I think it's because, well, it's threefold, okay? We want to be king because we want power. Why do we want power? Well, we want power so we have um, control. Why do we want control? So we can have security in our lives so that everything will be made right in my life. And the reality is that doesn't happen. It feels like we are out of control. We're spinning out of control. I'm the captain of my fate. I'm the, I'm the commander of my soul. Are you? And how's that going for you? You need a king. And you need a good king. The point of Christmas is telling about this true king. His name is Faithful and True. Revelation 19 describes him like this. He says, On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. John 18, 37. This is when Jesus stands before Pilate, who is in control of the Roman ruling. This is higher than Herod. He, he asked Jesus, You're a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Here's the application. This Christmas... Maybe it's time for you to uh, take your trust from being the king of your life and trust again in the true king, the one whose name is faithful and true. It's going to require a trust transfer, realizing that you can't do this. We are a bunch of messed up, broken people in here who like to fake it. But if we're honest, we, can't, we cannot live up to the standard. And the invitation is Christmas, of Christmas is come back to the king. The king has come. Come back to him. That is what Christmas is about. And we don't need to be afraid about that. We don't need to hold on securely to, to our personal reign, our personal sovereignty. 
Let go. And follow the true king. Did you notice in, in the clip with Linus? And I'll close with this. He, when he begins talking, he says, fear not. I bring you great tidings of great joy. And, and Charles Schultz, the animator, is intentional in this. When he says this, he lets go of the blanket. Fear not. He lets go and he begins talking. And it's intentional. Because the whole episode, they're trying to get Linus to let go of his blanket. Let go, let go, let go. Why do you always have this blanket? And Linus lets go when he begins quoting the scripture. Can I challenge you and encourage you to let go of that blanket of security that you have in your life this Christmas? And trust Christ. He's the only king that won't let you down. He's the only king that came and sacrificed for you. Unlike Herod, he's a righteous ruler. He will do what is right. And this Christmas, he invites you to come. Charles Wesley writes, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the Son of Earth, born to give, him, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, as we study this passage, we think about kingship. Lord, would we be reminded tonight that uh, you are the true king and that you came in the most humble of ways and we're surrounded by shepherds. You're a king to the lowly, but Father, you're also a king to those who are far off and you're a king of kings. The, even the, the, the greatest people in the world are invited to come worship you. So this Christmas, would we find ourselves do that? And now as we worship, would we also do that um, out of reverence and thankfulness for what you've done? We love you and we praise your name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Give him a hand. Thank you, Daniel. If you're new here tonight, I just want to welcome you. My name's Andy. We're glad that you're with us. Uh, we're going to be transitioning back into worship in time of communion and prayer. And one of the things that we want to do is just a very... Uh, tangible application to what Daniel was talking about was whatever it is that you're holding on to that you need to let go of, one of the ways that we do that, especially in community, is through prayer. And so as the worship team is going to lead us in a moment, we're going to take time to come before the communion table together and partake in a meal as a family. But I know that there are many of you that come with, with heavy stuff in your life and you need prayer. And one of the ways that you can do that is with some prayer cards that we put up here. You can put down your uh, prayer requests. You don't need to put any personal information if you don't want to. Just put it down, and we just want to pray for you. And we're also going to have people up here during communion and after the service come and, uh, and pray with somebody tonight. It's an opportunity for you to, to really put that into practice where we, we need one another. Maybe tonight is one of those moments you just need to, to, to realize that and just come and pray. Another thing that we have here as well is maybe things are going great and you just need to take a moment just to write it down and just take a moment to praise God, what he's doing in your life, and let somebody know. We would love to praise that, that thing with you about what God's doing in your life. Prayer is important. And as many of you know, uh, over these last couple weeks, we've been praying diligently, particularly for Livia. And, and I just want to encourage you to continue to pray. It was, uh, it was a, uh, an interesting time these last week 
where Olivia was not doing well at all, and Olivia's parents called uh, the church and asked if, if we would come, uh, some of us pastors and elders, if we'd come and pray over her. As the doctors in tears were telling them, listen, this is it. And, and so myself and, and Crystal and some others, we went out to the hospital to pray for them. And, and I really was anticipating that, that like, it was going to be absolutely dire. I mean, the last time I was there was bad. So I figured that, I mean, this would be even worse. And it was, it was you know, it was interesting because the doctor said, listen, the only thing that Olivia's got now is a miracle. That's it. And it was, it was interesting because after Olivia's mom wrote that email, and by the time we got to the hospital, she had completely turned around. And if you've been watching and reading, she's been doing incredibly well since then. She's got a long ways to go. But we are going to continue to pray for her. Amen? We're going to continue to pray for her. But listen, I was talking to my kids about that because my kids and I have been praying every night for Livia. And when I was telling my kids about God answering her prayer and her doing better, my son looked at me and he said, but dad, what if Livia ends up dying? And I, and I know there's a lot of us that the, when we go through difficult times and we're praying for people and there's stuff going on in our lives, but we think, but what if? And I looked at my son, you know, with all my infinite wisdom. And I said, son, we're all gonna die. <laughs> the truth is we're all gonna die one day. But listen, until that day, we are gonna fight death and we are going to pray and we are gonna lift Livia up and we're gonna lift our prayer requests up. And listen, as we come to the table tonight, this is a reminder that we don't fear death, that Christ has defeated death. And as Daniel shared, the king has been born and that king came and he defeated death on our behalf so that in him, we do have victory. And so listen, as we, commun- as we celebrate communion tonight, we do so knowing that through our king, we don't fear death and that we don't fear this life and we can come before him boldly with our prayers because we know that he's in control. So whatever's going on in your life tonight as you come to the communion table, remember who's in control and remember what Christmas is about as you let go of those things that have control of you. Listen, as we do this, just some practical notes. Uh, this bread is gluten-free. Um, we're gonna have some people here holding the elements and as you're ready, come forward. This is a meal of community for those people that have put their trust in King Jesus. And listen, I wanna encourage you tonight to put your trust in him. Uh, this is for those of us that are a family that we call the church. So as, the, uh, as, as you guys lead us and as you're ready, come forward and, uh, and let's, let's commune together in fellowship of our King and let's pray for one another. Amen? Why don't you stand with me and I'm gonna start us in prayer. Lord God, as we come before you tonight, we are reminded that we have incredible hope in you. Lord, I am so thankful that you came humbly as a baby not in grandeur of a king, but in simplicity as a servant to demonstrate your profound love for us. Love that found its completion in you being nailed to a cross for us. And God, as we come before you tonight, I pray that we would be mindful that you are the king, king eternal that is in control and you love us and we can come before you 
with what we're going through, whether they be requests or praises, we come before you tonight knowing that you're in control.